and welcome to a very special episode of Mondo Hollywood. I'm joined here with Ultrasonic Films' James Borsa. Hello very much. And we have a very special guest today. Uh, we just heard the Rainbow Connection, uh, the great and talented P Paul Williams. Yes, yeah, so Paul Williams is joining us. He is a Grammy winner, a Golden Globe winner, and an Academy Award winner. And uh, his film, Phantom of the Paradise, is going to be playing on the Gimli Film Festival on the beach on the big screen. Uh, Mr. Paul Williams, can you hear us, sir? I can hear you beautifully. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. I really do appreciate it. You know, I have to. You're out of Winnipeg, right? You bet. Right out of the University of Manitoba. Well, yeah, I have to, to give you an idea of how much I love Winnipeg and what the people of Winnipeg have done for my career. I mean, right now while we're talking, you know, the open, the last few a few holes of the open are on right now. I'm a big Tiger fan, so I was watching <laughs> golf in bed and, and <laughs> eating oatmeal. But I love Winnipeg so much. You know, that I'll, I'll just go ahead and, and record that and check it out later. Absolutely. That's, that's how much I love everybody up there. Well, well, that sounds great. And I've had the great uh, pleasure of seeing you live playing here a couple of times, and it was always a great show. So thanks, for, thanks well, very thank much. Thank you. The first, well, the first time you must have been seven of you. So <laughs> <been> <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, uh, of course, we've got Phantom of the Paradise, which is going to be at the Gimli Film Festival. It's going to be literally shown in the water. They're going to create this gigantic screen, and it's going to, everybody's going to lie on the beach. There's going to be hundreds of people checking it on out. That's going to be this Thursday night at 10 p.m., and uh, it, it, it's, an, it's an amazing cult classic. i, I got to ask you, sir, uh, first of all, what do you remember about uh, making this, th this incredible film? Maybe you don't remember a lot of it. I mean, it was because it was a unique kind of a, a hybrid of both of my careers. You know, when when Brian De Palma asked me to write the the songs for for Phantom, I thought it was. You know, looking back, it, it was just the strangest casting because you know I had the a, you know very middle of the road kind of a successful songwriting career with, with the Carpenters and Three Dog Night and, and like that. But I, I was probably as far away from the kind of you know, rock you know, of the future that that the uh, the script called for. Mm -hmm. So the, the interesting thing was, all of a sudden, I was able to dive into something and, and uh, that was that was just uh, certainly edgier for me, and, mm -hmm. and a chance to, in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a way, to just really kind of uh, play with with the various genres that I hadn't really visited before. You know, the fifties rock, and then yeah. You know the, the variety of styles and all, and and so it was a, a great. You know, it was just musically, it was a great challenge. But then when he said, you know, and his original thought was, you should, you know, you know, you ought to be the fan. You should be crawling around <laughs> in the rafters, throwing things at people. And I thought, no, I'm not. I can't do that. I'm, a, you know, I'm not. I'm just. I'm too. I'm too little to be best here. You know. So, but um, but Bill Finley was brilliant, and you know, he could do more with one eye than anybody I've ever seen. Uh, as far as as conveying all that emotion, just a, a brilliant performance. Um, but you know, so, but they, so the the thing I remember, the reason I go to the music first is you know when, then Brian you know asked me to play Swan. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I'm doing I'm, you know I'm full tilt in both worlds. So we're shooting during the day and doing recording vocals at night. And there's a, there I have a couple memories of standing with a camera on me and not even knowing where I was. I was so tired. <laughs> The, um, the probably the peak of that would be the the, the umbrella scene you know, on on the roof of the Phantom when I pulled the knife out of his chest when we shot that the first time I think I'd been up like a day and a night and a day and we were into the second night and I, I you know I couldn't even remember lines it was just I was so exhausted. 
across it. But we reshot it, and it wound up in the movie. And, and the thing that, that I, I that I will always always love about it is that it, the sense of family in the middle of um, in the middle of the holiday season. And uh, and it was just it was it was it will always remain a high point of of, uh, of a working a working family. From and uh, I also want to mention uh, 1976's Bugsy Malone, which I also think is a very underrated and kind of cult soundtrack now today, too. <laughs> yeah. um, was yeah. there a specific, because all the, it's play, there's kids in the movie, but all the adult voices, including yourself, they're, you're on the soundtrack. Was there a decision consciously to do adults as the kids' voices? There was a problem because it, it was shot in, uh, first of all, it was shot in England. With most of the kids were... were like army brats and they're like you know kids who you know were, their their dad or their mom was stationed in in uh, in England. A lot, a lot of the American actors um, find it was one thing to you know to use a lot of, of non professionals that you know that could act, and if you got lucky, you found someone that could dance and to find somebody that could do all three. And the songs were being you know, were written very close to to when the, the shooting was taking place, so. Because the cars were pedaled, but they they made all this you know, they had this you know this sort of a car thing where they they sounded and looked like cars, but they were pedal cars. Because the guns were you know were, were guns, but they shot you know, shot uh, custard. Mm-hmm. It was like you know well why did they you know why why not have the voices you know what happens if if Bugsy who is talking like this all of a sudden sings <laughs> you don't have to sit around and it just seemed like it solved a big problem for us and. Uh, you know, and it gave a, another little kind of a twist to the. You know, it was. It's really an unusual project. When I read the script, I saw the the first storyboards that Alan did. I went, Oh my God, I've got, I've got to do this, of course. But uh, looking back, I'll tell you, I have one, I, 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 kind of the edge of a regret about that. I, I think that that while it solved the problem, and I think it's some of the charm of the picture. Every now and then, I in the middle of the night, I'll kind of open my eyes, look at the ceiling, and go, "You dubbed." You, you know, you, you used a different voice, you know, for Jody, and it's like, oh my God, a brilliant actress like that, and you and you had her, you know, lip sync somebody else's voice. And there's part of me that if I could go back, I'd like to just try to let the kids sing it yeah. and see how that would work out. So, mm. you know, second thoughts about that. Yeah, I got to tell you, you know, you've had an amazing career. Just researching you before we, we got an opportunity to talk today, it's amazing all of the uh, different projects that you've been on. I'm very curious, uh, when you meet people, is there a, a particular project that you did that people are surprised that you did the score for, or that uh, a particular film that you appeared in that people are surprised about? What, what the work that you've done kind of surprises people the most? I think that right, I don't know if you if you have any awareness of, of Goliath, the Billy Bob Thornton yes. series, but right now I'm a, a recurring character on on Goliath, the Billy Bob, and and I'm starting to get a lot of you know, people coming up and and cool. saying I had no idea you were in that, and, and you know so that's really nice and it's current, and you know for for an for an out of work actor, you know I've always said that you know I, I'm really really fortunate that for an out of work actor I did pretty good as a songwriter, <laughs> but. <laughs> But I always loved, you know, the film, and and I, and I started. I did start out as an actor, yeah. so uh, so I you know, dove into to working on films from a music side, of course. Right. 
And I would, I would be remiss if I didn't ask about Ishtar, because Ishtar, I think, is it, the first 20 minutes of that movie where they're just in New York and the struggling songwriters, that is like a perfect comedy. And I think the songs that you wrote for them are amazing. Um, you know, the, the, it's probably as close to what it's like to be a songwriter as anything I've seen on screen. I'm really, really proud of that. And, and um, I think I wrote 50 songs. Wow. For, for the for Ishtar and Elaine May was was very specific that she that she wanted some very unique mm. but she said I, I I can't really describe it to you I will know it when I hear it and I wrote some song the thing is for every if you, there's a song in a movie where one and Dustin sing maybe two lines of a song mm. she wanted to hear the whole song she said <laughs> oh, and I don't want you to sing it to me because if everything you sing sounds like a, you know like like music. Teach it to Warren and Dustin and have them sing it, which is, was, so I'm cooking along and writing the songs and she's nodding her head, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I said, well, what do you want? She said, I don't know. But I, the first one I wrote that she that she said, that's it, was a song called Lawn, that a lawnmower can do all that. Yeah. And um, for those who've never heard it, you know, uh, Saturday morning, the sound of a lawnmower touches my soul, touches my soul. Brings back the memory of first summer love, of Willa and me, Willa. That a lawnmower can do all that, that a lawnmower can do all that, that a lawnmower can do all that. It's amazing. <laughs> and here's the verse, what she heard that, that lit her up. I can see her standing in the backyard of my mind. She cracks her knuckles and the scabnets on her knee won't go away. I can see the woman waiting in her eyes, and I can see the love, but I can't see the Brooklyn Dodgers in L.A. <laughs> That's that, awesome. Thank you, sir. Uh, so I knew then what, what she wanted, um, and you know, see, so, yeah, again, that was that was, you know, ev- everything that really, really attracts me. I think sometimes there are things that are just a little, a little strange. My whole history with with the. Not strange, I mean weird, but strange is just a little, oh, I haven't seen that before. Um, my my road band, the guys that played in my band, and I, we spent so much time on the road, and, and uh, part of waking up in, in, uh, in a weird little town anywhere in the, in the world was you could turn on the, 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 the television and watch Sesame Street, and there was something about the humor and the, you know, the, uh, and the heart. Of, of the Muppets that just, you know, when I finally met Jim and, and went over to do the the, uh, the Muppet show in England, and he asked me about a, and he wanted, they were going to do a Muppet movie, but, but before they never mentioned that, he mentioned that there was a, a project for HBO called Emma Daughter's Jug Band Christmas, what I write the songs for. And, but if you look at that, you know, Bugsy Malone and, and the Muppet movie and, and um, Ishtar and, and Phantom, there's there's just something a little different about each of those projects. Yeah. And uh, they're amazing directors and writers. They, they created them. And is there any truth that there is a, I know there's a 45 out of Ishtar songs. Um, is it, Was there actually a whole album recorded? We recorded an entire album with great rock and roll players. I mean, like, wow. Waddy Waddell on, on uh, <laughs> guitar and, you know, uh, just an amazing band, full tilt hardcore rock and roll versions of all the songs. <laughs> but you know, when the movie when the movie came out, it didn't get the best reviews. Perhaps you heard. Oh yes, oh yes. But it was, it was. You know, it was. It was. They. It, it's interesting because recently the New York Times re-reviewed it and gave it a great review. Mm. But when it came out, basically they they I think reviewed 
the the uh, the shooting schedule and the budget instead of the film and and also but when when the reviews began to roll in and they were so negative uh the idea of releasing the, the soundtrack album which is in like the whole point of doing all the, uh, you know the, the the very end of the picture you see the the album cover of you know their greatest hits which was exactly what this album was going to be so it was a marketing plan built into the, the film but the, but the I think Warren said, "You know what? That's enough HR for my, in my life for right now." <laughs> uh, I Hopefully, just... some you know, someday we'll you'll get to hear them all. You know, in that version, I hope. Yeah, because I actually I have a the portable picnic we're going to be playing later, and it's just a great <laughs> song. And like one of my favorite lyrics of all time is, "If you can admit you can play an accordion, no one will hire you for a rock and roll band." That's just dangerous genius. business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, Jim, well, if you think about it, because they're they're just kind of mismatched, and they oh, they're almost good songs. I mean, it's easy to write just stupid songs, you know. My, you know, my dog ate the cat. Where's my shoes? You can you know, write whatever you want, but to write something that sounds like they were off. I mean, like telling the truth can be dangerous business. Honest and popular don't go hand in hand. <laughs> That's a pretty good start. Yeah. If you admit that you can play the accordion, no one will hire you in a rocket. So it, yeah. it was, it was, um, it was probably as much fun as I've ever had writing songs. Yeah, well, that, speaking of fun, I, I just I have to ask you with all of the different uh, projects that you've been on over all of the years. Uh, I know this is kind of like picking your favorite children, but was there one experience that was absolutely unforgettable that sort of stands above the rest? I think I think everything with 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 the Muppets for sure. The Muppet movie was, awesome. was really a unique experience, and. Uh, to sit down and, and see what you know. Okay, this is what we're going to write. And basically, sitting in, in the living room of my place, and with Jerry Jewell, the, you know, the, the screenwriter, and Jim and Frank Oz and the guys, and just going, okay, what, what are we going to do here? <laughs> Jim said, Well, we're going to we're doing a road picture about how the Muppets get together, and, and because they're looking for frogs that want to become rich, rich and famous in Hollywood, and 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 to be given a kind of freedom to to. Just you know, I mean, literally, and I've told this story before. But it's so so unusual in the business. We're walking after our first meeting uh, with Kenny Asher and I up to because I wanted Kenny to come in and write the songs. I mean, his melodies are so beautiful. Yes. But I walked walking to the car. I said, you know, we're not going to surprise you with all this stuff. We'll, I'll let you hear the songs along the way while we're working on them. And he said, Oh, Paulie, that's. That's not necessary. I'll hear them in the recording studio when you record them, <laughs> which is a, a level of freedom. You know, and, I mean, he trusted that he had made the right creative choice and and let us let us go. Awesome. And uh, it, w- it was really unique. But to sit down and write the the quote "I am" song is what you would call it. The, the you, know, you write the "I am" song for Kermit. We want to learn about Kermit in, in this first song. Well. Where did, where did, uh, tell us, how does the movie begin? Well, Kermit's uh, in the swamp. What's he doing? Jim thought for a second and he went, playing a banjo. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, so playing a banjo. But you want to write a song that shows that he has an inner life, that he has a spiritual life, you nice. know, that he's that he thinks about things, that he questions all the big questions. And, and um, the standard that we set was from, from Pinocchio when... In, in Pinocchio, when when Jiminy Cricket calls into that window, takes off his hat, looks at the stars, and sings, "When you wish upon a star," <laughs> he takes it to a, a level that is just above and beyond, you know. And it just uh, just a song, you know, that says, "This is what your movie's about." It, it becomes a spiritual journey just to to listen to that song, and that's 
that's what we tried to do with Rainbow Connection. And uh, the entire film was that kind of a challenge. To, and as much as much fun as, as uh, almost as much fun as, as this star. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, under, I think I was reading that you were working on a uh, musical version of Pan's Labyrinth. Guillermo del Toro, Gustavo Santolaya is, is a brilliant, brilliant composer. It's his music, my lyrics. Wow. And uh, it's, you know, it's funny. We've been working on this like four years. We basically have just at this point finished the score. I mean, it'll, it will continue to work on it, but they're talking to pictures right now. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, uh, it's my son's favorite movie, so I'm, you know, I'm really excited about, about this eventually getting to the stage. And it will, hopefully we'll, we'll open in Lon- probably London first and then... You know, it's a it's a long, long process working on a, on a a stage musical. Movies, television shows, you just fly through those a lot quicker. But this one has been uh, probably the most emotional collaboration of my life. Is is with the Sabo. He's brilliant. He he won the Oscar for Brokeback Mountain. Yes. And then the next year won it again for Babel. Yeah. Uh, worked on uh, Motorcycle Diaries, which is an amazing movie. So he's his, his his music is full of you know I, I say that the that the, the words are already in the music I listen to the music and I hear the words and his music is is just filled with wonderful wonderful emotion yeah. and great what you know hopefully will be considered great you know good as well yeah absolutely you know I I gotta talk a little bit more of course about uh, a Phantom of the Paradise uh, there's a real special connection between that film and Manitobans and uh, you know it's amazing it's a film that seems to get uh, more popular every year and uh, yet uh, we kind of knew it first it was it was something that we embraced uh, right from the beginning I, I'd love to get your take on on why that was why do you think that uh, that Manitobans really uh, embraced this special film so so early on well, peggers are not only smarter than everybody else; they're better looking. So, uh, I'll buy that. <laughs> it's uh, you know they're they're, they're uh, and you know the enthusiasm. I think I don't think the film would have the following that it does today if it hadn't been a, basically a failure worldwide. Mm-hmm. There were two cities that that uh, where the, the film clicked. One was Winnipeg, the other one was Paris, and, and I think for the people that lo- really love. The film, you know, it was almost like a slap in the face. It was like, you know, the, the, don't, don't you see how, you know, how in their, in their, I hope and everybody has followed in their opinion that it was wonderful. So what they did is they shared it with their friends. Mm. I mean, and shared it like it was like it was their own, you know, personal private discovery. So the things that I'm doing today, like, like you know, like, like working with Guillermo is because he loved Phantom of the Paradise. Awesome. The reason Daft Punk sought, sought me out, you know, they, they met at the theater and, you know, the, the, the two robots, you know, Tomah and Demon, uh, <laughs> met at the theater. And, they, you know, they, they've seen, I think they said they'd seen Phantom like 20 times at, together at the, you know, at the theater. And, uh, and maybe where they got the idea for the masks and the like as well, but... But when they called and asked if I would work on it, they were going to do an album, and, and uh, would I be interested in writing, uh, you know, working on the album? And I wound up writing lyrics for a couple of songs, and they asked me to, to sing one, to sing Touch. Mm-hmm. I wrote the lyrics to be on Touch on Random Access Memories. Wind up standing on, on the stage accepting the Grammy with them for, for Album of the Year. Wow. There's, 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 there is a, a little bit of, of every pager that loved that movie and, and told their friends about it in that moment because if it hadn't been for that, if it hadn't been for the fanaticism 
of of the you know the the the, the, the great population of Winnipeg. Uh, I'm not sure that that uh, I ever would have had that chance. Forever grateful, forever. Awesome. And I was happy uh, last summer to see you pop up in Edgar Wright's Baby Driver. You had a really good uh, kind of juicy scene in that that movie. <laughs> Again, Edgar Wright is you know is, is, with him I think it's more uh, probably Bugsy Malone in, in England. Every kid growing up does Bugsy Malone. <laughs> I think they do it on stage at their school and all. Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like Greece is in the states, and you know it didn't off here like it like it um, like it did in England, but in the UK. But but uh, you know Edgar has just been a great friend, and and uh, you know I thought it was a, a fun role. It, it was it was like four pages of, of weird dialogue about parts of of a. Of <laughs> and um, stepped into about a two-minute scene and all in my end. Don't look for me in the sequel, thanks to Jamie Fox and all that. <laughs> you know that's that was that was, that was fun, and I th- and I love the movie. I thought you know I thought it was amazing. Cool. But um, if you get a chance, you, you check out check out the second season of Belly. Actually, you watch both seasons. I don't come until the second episode of the second season. But I'm really, really I'm just to, to work with Billy Bob Thornton mm-hmm. on Goliath. A whole another whole another level of acting. So I hope that that you all jump on Amazon Prime and check out Goliath. Awesome. Well, you know, like I say, uh, we're we're very very excited as well. Of course, to a, re- a Phantom of the Paradise. It's going to be on the beach, and there's going to be hundreds of people checking it out, which is often very common with the beach screenings. It's a free screening. I'm curious, in all the places in the world that this film has screened, uh, what's been one of the most exciting or unusual screenings that you've ever attended of Phantom of the Paradise? You know, in in Austin, Texas, they they show it on the side of a building or something, and, and <laughs> have, you know, just a great. Great. Um, I don't know why, but I just got this. Okay, if I was writing a screenplay and and, and I wanted them, you know, and I was thinking about how do you use this setting? Okay, there's the screen set up in the water, and they're all watching Phantom when a giant shark comes along and <laughs> eats the screen, you know, and bring a couple of workmen that are out there as well. You know, it's like Jaws eats Phantom. Jaws you know, eats. I think we could sell it if we get together and work on it. That, that sounds way. like a great spinoff. It's something we could we could <laughs> certainly do. Or did we just did we just jump the shark? Yeah, <laughs> we we literally we literally jumped the shark. I, I love it. Yeah, no, I I, I think it's just a, it, it, like I say, it's an important film for for people locally. And I also uh, I really want to congratulate you on your amazing career. It's not often I get to chat with someone who's won a Grammy, a Golden Globe, and an Academy Award uh, all together there, and uh, to give back and be able to do a phone conversation from Los Angeles uh, uh, to us here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, at the University of Manitoba, really means a lot and also of course uh, supporting our local film festival the Gimli Film Fest as well we really do appreciate it there sir I thank you so much you know I appreciate it right back as well and everything so this, this is this is a chance for me to say thanks to a lot of people who who made my life so much better awesome well uh, I'm James and this is Amanda and we're on uh, Amondo Hollywood here and Amanda uh, would you like any to say any final words there to Paul oh I just think he's the greatest and uh, the rest of the we're going to be playing some of your music uh, from the soundtracks uh, I'm like really excited yeah just to speak with you and I think you're brilliant Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You all have a great day. All right. You take care there, sir. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.